Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. There are times when we have the experience of, of being under attack, that we feel threatened. When that happens, we can either face it head on or we can try to avoid it. We can take our, our eyes and our minds and try to act like it's not there. This happens especially when it comes to our beliefs. Things that we believe, things that are so much a part of who we are, that when someone comes along and says, that may not necessarily be true, we feel like it's a frontal attack. So we ignore it. We try to avoid it by not thinking about it. And so there are many individuals who are quite intelligent. And you can share with them an idea that rationally makes sense. But emotionally, they can't go there. Because it feels too threatening. It scares them. The possibility that they have to change a way of looking at life or themselves or other people or God, it just, they can't go there. This happens a lot in the area of death. We have a particular way of understanding what happens when we die. And it makes us feel a sense of, of peace. So if you have a loved one who has died, if you believe that there is a part of them, their soul that continues to exist, that maybe even is in heaven, then that can actually take a little bit of the sting of death away. Because they're really not dead. And maybe someday you'll be able to see them again. The idea of a soul is one that individuals who are facing their death can bring them a sense of peace. Because while their body may die, they believe that there will be a part of them that will continue to live on. And their loved ones, they will be able to see again. Every time I do a funeral, I ask the family to share with me their understanding of death. And that's what I will share with them. What's amazing is those that believe that there is a soul that continues on after life, which is the majority, they never believe that their loved one is in hell. They're always in heaven. No matter how good or bad they were, they're always in heaven. Because again, that brings us a sense of peace. The majority of us believe in some type of life after death. 
especially within the Christian community. And you can continue to believe that until you're exposed to some information that may cause you to question that belief. And if that belief is questioned and it is too difficult to face emotionally, we do the bury your head in the sand and don't look at it. Two factors have contributed to this idea that maybe we don't have a soul, that they have called things into question. One of those factors is the man Charles Darwin and evolution theory. When you look at evolution, evolution tells us how we came into being, the beginning of our origins. And there is an unbroken chain, according to evolution, between the most simple forms of life and us today. So the question becomes, if we see this evolving, taking place, if you buy into that, then the question becomes, at what point did we acquire a soul in this evolutionary process? If you'll notice this slide, this slide tries to depict for us the evolution from a very primitive form of being to Homo sapiens. So as you look at this slide, you can also see the change that takes place in their skull, the size of their brain. So the question becomes, at what point in evolution did the soul come into existence? Was it in very primitive life forms? Was it only when we begin to walk on two appendages rather than four? Is it when we begin to walk on the ground rather than swing from trees? At what point in this evolutionary process did we acquire a soul? And where did we get it from? Was it something that just happened? Was there some type of deity that gave it to us? And again, where in this process? One individual who studies the whole idea of evolution, he's a cognitive scientist by the name of Musol back it up, Mussolino, he says the following, Homo sapiens are the physical outcome of a purely physical process operating on the basis of a purely physical set of raw ingredients. Now, you ready for this? There is no need or room for any non-physical substances in this equation. Evolutionists, cognitive scientists tell us that if we look at evolution, there is no room for a soul. 
Now, again, the majority of Christians believe in what is called dualism. This idea that we have a physical body and we have an immaterial, non-physical soul. And that when we die, it detaches. And what we attribute to that soul after we die is much like what we experience right now. People that have had what is called near-death experiences or NDEs, what they experience is often the activity of the mind, the brain. And so we take this idea of soul and we've joined it with the idea of mind. And what this scientist is telling us is that in evolution, there is no room for that. In fact, it is the brain that causes us to function what we would call our mind. It's just that's the purpose of the organ, the brain. Now, if evolution theory wasn't enough to bother us as far as calling into question the idea of a soul, then it comes along cognitive scientists, neurologists in the field of neurology, psychology. All of these come into question. One individual who is a Harvard psychologist, Joshua Green, says the following. Most people are dualists. That means what? We think we have a physical body and a non-physical soul. He says the most people are dualist. Intuitively, we think of ourselves not as physical devices, but as immaterial minds, our souls housed in physical bodies. You've seen perhaps memes about this, this idea that who I really am is just inhabiting this body. We make this distinction, but notice what he says. Most experimental psychologists and neuroscientists disagree with that idea, at least officially. The modern science of mind proceeds on the assumption that the mind is simply what the brain does. Our thoughts, our emotions, our sensations, all of this comes from, simply put, our brain. It's what our organ produces. Now, here's where it comes interesting. We don't talk much about this, however. We scientists take the mind's physical basis for granted. Among the general public, it's a really touchy subject. Why? Because our belief around death is so emotionally connected to us. And so when scientists comes along and tells us there's a possibility that there is no soul, it makes us very uncomfortable. And so it's easier not to think about it, not to believe it. 
or use the old standby, well, we don't know everything yet, which is true. But if you choose to believe in evolutionary theory, and if you're willing to listen to science, what do you do? How do you go forward with the idea that maybe there is no soul? I offer you five suggestions. Number one, realize that the belief in a soul is very useful for us as homo sapiens, as human beings. It gives us a sense of security. It gives us a sense of comfort. And those emotional benefits cannot be disqualified. And if it helps us move through life, it helps us as we journey with someone who is imminently dying, then who am I to come to them at that moment and say, no, 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 you're all wrong. When they die, they're just dead. There's a benefit in believing that. And if we understand that, it helps us be more patient with ourselves and with other people. Second situation, I mean, second suggestion. Understand that changing a belief is very difficult, especially when it has a lot of emotions attached to it. Changing a belief is very, very difficult, especially when there's a lot of emotion attached to it. So, for example, someone who has been raised in a very conservative religion, when they begin to call those beliefs into question, it's not just their mind that is having to deal with this phenomena, it's their emotions. And for some people, they just can't go further and be willing to give up a belief because emotionally, they're not ready. And we can pound and pound all the reason and intellect and arguments to them, but if they're not ready to hear it, they're not going to hear it. A perfect example of this is found by a teacher. Uh, lost it, sorry about that. Who said the following. He taught a class on the soul at Rutgers University. And on the first day of class, he would ask his students to come forward and share what they believed, if they believed in a soul or not. And at the end of the class, he asked them to do the same thing. Notice what happened. Many students entered the course believing that they had a soul that was destined to survive death, the death of their bodies. Now again, they took a whole semester of studying about evolution and neurology and cognitive sciences. And here's what happened at the end. And they left the course with that belief more or less intact. 
all of this knowledge that they were exposed to, it didn't change the way they looked at life and death. But here's where it gets interesting. They didn't change even though they realized that there was no reliable evidence that anything of the sort has been scientifically verified. So why waste your time? Here's where the punch comes. At the same time, the course made students aware of how their beliefs had been transmitted to them and they were less inclined to be manipulated by a call of arms to defend them. So what it's basically saying is, is that they came to the point where they said, here's all the evidence, I'm just not willing to change my view yet. However, I'm gonna be a little bit more careful in how I interact with other people. And I'm not going to just immediately accept other people's ideas or, in turn, put those ideas onto other people. So first a suggestion, again, remember, is that this idea of a soul is useful to us. Secondly, it is very, very difficult to give up a belief that you're emotionally attached to. And then number three, the third suggestion, is that understand that we are continuing to learn more and more about the mind and the brain and how it works. If you would, we're kind of just right on the surface and we're learning so much more. And scientists are willing to admit that. Again, listen to a cognitive, a cognitive scientist who says the following. The conclusion if we want to be intellectually honest, should be, um, let me back up. The conclusion, if we want to be intellectually honest, should not be that there is no soul, but rather that there are no good reasons to believe that we have souls and that there are very good reasons to believe that we do not have souls. To hear that just it's a wordplay, but it's a huge difference. If you were to stand up and talk to someone and say, Look, we don't have souls, that, that cuts the conversation off. All those emotions, the walls come up. But instead, they say the following there are no good reasons to believe that we have souls and that there are very good reasons to believe that we do not have souls. But another writer actually continues and takes it further. Our understanding of the mind-brain is going ahead at such a speed that it would be foolish today to make any definitive and final judgments, scientific or theological, on these questions. There's a tentativeness about it. When we, again, please try to understand this about yourself. And then once you understand it about yourself, it'll impact how you treat other people. 
is that you hold some beliefs that no matter what information you hear, your emotions are not perhaps ready to allow you to shift away from that belief. Now, if that's true of you, then it's probably true of others. And if we're continuing to learn more and more, then there is a sense of tentativeness into what we believe. And that brings us to our fourth suggestion. We as Christians can no longer allow evolution and the idea or the questions around a soul to be the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. In my, all my years of life, I've never heard or participated in a conversation in a Christian setting about evolution and the soul. We just didn't talk about it. It's like that scientist says, this is too, this is too uh, threatening to people. But here's the reality. The science isn't going to quit learning. Scientists are going to continue to do experiments. Scientists are going to continue to gain new information. And if we are not willing to at least talk about this stuff as Christians, we're in trouble. If we're not willing to at least consider the possibility that evolution might be right, that scientists might be right, and that we do not have a soul, if we're not at least willing to, to open the possibility to that, what are we going to do as science provides more and more information? Churches more and more are being accused of separating religion and science. The younger generation will not tolerate that. If they see spiritual communities ignoring science, the credibility of those spiritual communities will diminish. We have to be willing to be honest. And that comes to my fifth suggestion. Perhaps occasionally, experiment with the idea in your mind of the possibility that there is no soul. Now, even just saying that just now, made me feel nervous inside for two reasons. Number one, I don't like the idea. I'm not completely comfortable with it. Number two, I'm not sure if you're comfortable with it. But occasionally, I have to allow myself to think about it. Recently, I started wearing a necklace with a 
pendant on it that says, Momente, Momento Mori. In Latin, it means, remember, you have to die. And so I thought to myself, what if when I die, that's it? I can't do this very often because emotionally, I just am not there yet. But when I do allow myself to experience that thought, the one thing that keeps coming back to me is that I have to make each moment of my life as meaningful as possible. So instead of giving up on life, at times it actually does the opposite, and it inspires me to take every single moment and squeeze as much meaning out of it as I can. Every relationship, every encounter with other individuals, to be truly present with them I don't do this right all the time, but it is something that inspires me to at least consider the possibility that when I die, if this is it, I better live my life and get as much out of it as I can right now. So instead of worrying and fretting about the future, Wondering if I have enough money put away for retirement. Wondering if my health will hold out until I'm at least in my 80s or 90s. And instead of worrying about all those things, just live right now. Momento mori. Remember, you have to die. So if you have a soul or if you don't have a soul, you're the one that is going to have to figure that out. But at least be open. Be open to what we continue to learn about what it means to be human beings. And maybe we need to rethink at times what it means to have a God and what that God is like. Believe me, during this week I thought, how could I end this sermon in such a powerful way that you would walk out of here feeling good and not like, ooh, that didn't feel good inside. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> I, I don't know how to do that for you. But I do want to offer you this. For those of you who are with us, those of you watching online, I encourage you to find people that you can talk about these things with. Because it will make a difference. It takes some of the sting out. If you have someone that you can talk about and share your fears, share your frustrations, share your concerns, 
And that's what church should be. A place where we come together, we hear ideas, and then we can talk to other people about them as we continue to understand what it means to be a human being and to have a God, a belief in a God, even if we're not sure what that fully looks like. I hope that's enough for you, at least for today. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.